1: to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz, and today on Who Is, we're just discussing who is the greatest woman's wrestler of all time. Of course, with me in the booth is Mr. J himself, the Dr michael jargo jargo how
2: you doing today sir doing fantastic man good to see you pause good to see you huckleberry been looking forward to today's episode we've been trying to get pause to sit down and do this one for a while and he finally caved in also happy to see that pause we were right rick flair won the poll on twitter for greatest promo of all time Some very very cool stuff happening here at who is yes and the third man in the
1: booth the Corolla, Sun Toyota man himself, Mister HMG, Mister Tmpt, Mister Rbv Rick. What's going on today, sir?
0: Uh gentlemen, great to be back with you again for uh, another round, another epic round of Who Is. Looking forward to, uh, I guess, I guess this, uh, this debate, if you will, as we run down the resumes of some of the greatest female performers. Uh, I do, I do want to emphasize that we are talking about female performers. In the history, uh, the illustrious history of professional wrestling.
1: So Flair, like uh, Mr. J had mentioned there, he won the greatest promo the week before. Mr. Perfect won IC Champ online, of course, the the consensus Twitter vote. Sometimes they could be a little wonky. I know Rick disagreed because Cornette didn't win uh, for promo, but hey, and I was a little upset that Honky Tonk Man didn't win Intercontinental, but hey, you know, those are the breaks sometimes. Sometimes the fans are the overwhelming majority sometimes that they're a little uh, maybe a vocal minority. So it, it is what it is. But as far as today, we're talking about the greatest women's wrestlers ever. When I was first writing this list, I was like, man, this is going to be tough. I'm just, I'm just, cause I'm not really that familiar too much with female wrestling, just in generally. I know Jargo, you're telling me about all Japan women's wrestling. And I know if you look online, Meltzer gave a ton of matches, five stars. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. I mean, I'm very familiar with maybe some more current day women's wrestling, but like the grand scheme of things in the grand scope, the first name I thought of, the first person when I think of women's wrestling was the fabulous Moolah. Was that uh, the case for you, Jargo? Uh,
2: no, I, I do have Moolah on my list, but I have Moolah way down on my list. Um, and it, Moolah is an interesting one because you have to try to separate what you think of the person that mula was versus the wrestler and the performer that mula was right um i mean when you talk about somebody that's champion for decades it's hard to not put them on the list but in a weird way you you bring up that you thought this list was going to be very difficult to make that largely is in part due to Mula. Like Mula held back women's wrestling for about 30 years, in my opinion, you know? So, does that qualify her for the list? Absolutely. But there's a lot of other names that I probably should be on that list. But Mula gets a bit of this revisionist WWE history about how fabulous she really was. I
0: think, you know, starting off here with Mula, obviously, what a tremendous jumping in point. Is especially for you know of, of fans of the WrestleMania era, the that true modern era of pro wrestling, she kind of was always that that defining figure when we talked about women. Obviously, as we have, you know, light has come upon the personal side, the, the backstage behind the curtain dealings that she was involved with. That perception has greatly changed. But when we look at you know what more of what she brought to the table what she meant to the professional wrestling business itself, what she meant as a, uh, as a performer, it it really, we have to look at the era, the time that she was framed in. Uh, and we're, and as we talk about so many of these other incredible talents, that's going to regularly come up about how, you know, these female talents are, you know, as wrestlers, as performers are perceived, how they're utilized, And, you know, it really, what what are the agendas in the marketing behind women in wrestling? Uh, That's going to be a key factor as we determine, you know, who's going to top this list and and really how we rank these individuals, where they're at. It's really crazy. If you go, you know, you you guys probably jump off on, and when we start researching for these things each week, you do a simple Google of who is whatever that topic is to see what other articles have suggested, how they're ranked. What's incredible to me is when you go look at these great rankings of female performers wrestlers whatever the case might be there it's a lot of active a lot of modern day because of more of the agenda what we're perceived uh and i and i think that's going to be a you know a huge part of this conversation but absolutely uh you know at a time where women's wrestling was an absolute attraction and and that's you know they were pretty much on the posters back then alongside the midgets you'd get them a few times in your territory they weren't actively used throughout the show you didn't see them in, in really in a, in a whole lot of manager roles unless it was really just for that that kind of eye can't I mean, even mula herself began in that correct i mean was she was she jungle girl when she came in so and Her it, jungle it
1: lady or whatever yeah yep. it, yeah yeah so, whatever yep
0: so those roles have changed and evolved and we're going to have to kind of weigh those against each other. As we're talking, uh, I think there is a great spot for Mula. Uh, and one of the things that's amazing when you hear, you know, and she had to, she had to cut her teeth training with guys because there wasn't a, a large number of other females to get in there and train with, uh, you know, until she really started bringing some in, into the business. Don't
1: we don't really want to bring up too much of like, what she did behind the scenes guilty or, or innocent of it, but in, in like in front of the camera, in front of the screen, that big undefeated street, quote unquote, undefeated street champion forever. I mean, she was presented as if she was the greatest, you know what I mean? Like it, it presented like she's this big legend, um, obviously pretty good wrestler, that kind of uh, old school tough style where she wasn't doing, you know, Flips and <laughs> anything of that nature. I mean, she's pretty yeah. hard hitting, especially for woman style. But just one of those things where the way she was presented on the TV, it's an absolute legend. It's like, wow, she's undefeated, which, you know, she's impossible to defeat. You know, she
2: basically you know, the Andre, the giant, if you will, of women's wrestling. To me, the more damning thing about Mula is that Mula was trusted with the book for women's wrestling for a very, very long time, which is why she was on top for so long, right? Of course. There's, there's so many much politics that go into Mula and how she held down other women i mean because everything that you have ever heard about the fabulous Mula and how great she was and how inspirational she was and all that that false narrative really to me belongs to the number two on my list mildred burke um who Basically, she came before Mula. She was trying to make women's wrestling a legitimate part of the show. She was out there wrestling, dude. She was doing intergender matches in the 1930s. She wrestled 200 men and only lost once. She'd go out there and have an actual shoot match with some of these other ladies if they were getting too damn sassy back behind the scenes. Like Mildred Burke was a real badass who was out there trying to bring women's wrestling into the forefront. Whereas when Moolah got a hold of women's wrestling, she made it all about the fabulous Moolah.
1: When I interviewed uh, Mad Maxine, she had mentioned you know a lot, a lot of the other stuff with Moolah. But the one thing that I was kind of curious about, just from like a political standpoint, was Mad Maxine was supposed to be on Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. All of a sudden, a Moolah ends up on there, but it was weird. It's like, how did she get on there? Well kind of move her out like just to get to the point of where you're saying kind of keeping herself on top well if you move this person out here oh hey by the way i'm here vince or or whoever you know uh, whoever's you know put in charge of putting that show together like i'll be on it like oh that was mula perfect
0: i mean is it, it is it fair to really hold that in in any sense against mula when i mean that's just the code of the business at the time i mean it just wasn't something unique to her that she's holding down these other women it's like, like, that, like she, across the board, I mean, we saw, you know, right, she might have been the mentor him.
2: of Hulk Hogan, the way that she was holding other people back. That, what Come do you on, think Hogan man. learned it from. Come on,
1: with uh, Mildred Burke, though, legit, you know, tough girl, I mean, legit badass. Uh, and obviously the precursor to Mula, really kind of the, the mentor, if you will, to, to Mula, as far as, as that's concerned. I know, um, Rick is probably gonna say his next person is just. Keeping in with the old school June buyers, another uh, big, big legend. I know Rick was going to mention that next.
0: Oh, absolutely. And you're talking about and what's, and as we are, what we have in this modern, and I know we're going to get to some of the current things that's going on, what the evolution and, and, and how that kind of still lingers on, you know, with, with their marketing plans and all that. And that's that's what it should have been built around is people from that era that were true i mean that really was that's what embodied the mindset of we have got to get away from this last this last little run where we're bikini models we're sex symbols we are here we are cutting our teeth we are in the gym we are we are breaking boundaries what old is new that's what they should have embraced and again then you're teaching history you're getting people more involved that learning process they're more invested in the art of professional wrestling, sports entertainment, however you want to go about it there, that's where they greatly miss their cue. Instead of that, they try to go back to the Mula thing. And that ultimately backfires on them, and then they completely lose track of the direction with the women's evolution, and we're kind of at where we're at today with it.
2: I mean, to me, what a, Mildred Burke is one of the most fascinating characters throughout like pro wrestling history to me, and, and it's mostly because when you think of what the women go through today... And the way that some people talk about the women of today, imagine it being 1935 and the number of guys that are going to get into a ring with somebody like Mildred Burke and try to take advantage of the situation. And then Mildred Burke would whip their ass. Like that woman was a legitimate badass that I I feel like I want to see a movie about Mildred Burke, you know, like she's just a fascinating personality throughout the course of wrestling history.
0: Well, I think and you talk about, you know, here's we truly do. We have the carnival aspect. This is where they're coming from. She's trying to to break into this thing and absolutely unheard. I mean, what an absolute embarrassment for, you know, for any male to get in there to get shown up here. Uh, hella, You know, at this time, just go in there and even kind of just lock up with her would have been troubling for a lot of these guys to get over that ego. those paydays There, Hey, but outside of that, you want the drama of professional wrestling? You think there's theatrics today? Go back and look at her life. Her husband, was it Wolf that was the big promoter that was involved in scandal after scandal?
2: Yeah, and then she ended up breaking away from him and had to re-carve her own path through the NWA. Like It's a fascinating story. It's just absolutely incredible, and I wish that places like the WWE would actually embrace that stuff more. And cause I, they do such a great job with their documentaries. I'd love to see stuff like that. I don't need to see Vincent Kennedy McMahon versus the United States no, and the on, dramatization no, the they're the going to make. the
0: United States attacking Vincent, Vincent Kennedy. McMahon. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm, just,
1: I'm all over that. I'm loving that. I want, I want to see that. I, it, oh
2: my you're, you're drinking a Kool-Aid pub. It's going to be so incredibly skewed. It's going to be incredible. I love Kevin Dunn.
1: Uh, I'm all over that. I want to
2: no, Yeah, I'm with Jargo on
0: this. I mean, this, you know, you know what I just mentioned there, This is what they should have been focusing on. These are the documentaries you want to talk about women empowerment. I this is right? the, the, the story to tell. I don't even know if I want WWE to have their hands on this. I want some outside production. I, I want this to become a series. I want this,
2: you know, give me a dramatic series out of this from someone that knows what the hell they're doing. Well, and I mean, even Mula, the way that they portray Mula now throughout history, like they can't wait to talk about the Attitude Era stuff. Like they don't, they don't even go back and actually tell Mula's history. They just kind of pick it up in like you know nineteen ninety six. Well, what it, about it, it, what it about a lot. when she was loving grandmother Mula, right?
1: What about Johnny May Young?
2: Yeah, and and May Young is another. It's it's weird to me that we can't mention Mula without May Young at this point, given kind of their history coming up together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I think personally, May Young belongs higher on this list than Mula does. Rick, what do you think? I would
0: agree with you one hundred percent. Is you are saying it's it's almost impossible to have a conversation with someone without mentioning the other, and through that revisional history, we kind of put. Uh, May Young is that sidekick a little bit, as the Robin to the Batman. But to me, uh, it's the other way around, where she actually was the the more talented, uh, bigger star. But but again, you know, it goes to the politics game. Uh, it is the the cut cutthroat reality of professional wrestling, and back then, ever so more true than it is today. Hey, believe me, we're seeing it today. A lot of people don't realize what's truly going on behind the scenes there. Uh, how petty the political game is. Yeah, but I would put Mae Young higher than Mula here in our conversation.
1: Well, but it's due it, perception though. The perception and the way it's presented is that Mula was the bigger star, though.
2: That's because Mula had the book.
1: But I'm saying though, like just just like casual fan just looking at it, it's like, oh, like Rick said, like she Batman was definitely Robin. the Robin. Yeah, it definitely Mula was presented as if she was. No, uh, you
0: could even tell. I mean, anybody you know, going back to the attitude era, as we said, where we get really seriously reintroduced to these, these individuals and they really take on a persona. They really evolve that persona. They, they are those bigger characters. We especially see them through the attitude era. I would ask you guys there. I mean, they regularly told us how great Mool is and she was the, the trailblazer and, and held the title for five, five decades or, you know, <laughs> undefeated. <laughs> and no one could dethrone her. And, uh, she was the one that anyone that came into business had to go through to get where they were going, go back and, and watch with fresh eyes. I remember the thoughts watching it back there when, it, when I was in my teens, high school years and all that. And, and realizing that young is the more gifted individual of these two. Yeah. She had a better camera presence. Uh, she, she was, she was more engaging. She pulled you in. You believed a little more in what she, what she was projecting. Uh, much more than Molo. Molo always felt very uncomfortable to me when it came to the modern presentation,
2: especially when we you kind of geared towards sports entertainment. I I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. I I always thought that May Young was a better performer, and it, it's unfortunate that it wasn't really until the May Young Classic where they really got into who Mae Young actually was other than Moolah's sidekick. Like, the the only thing that ever hurt Mae Young is that she was so loyal to Moolah. She was always subservient to Moolah, even in the Attitude Era. You know, like, she was still playing number two to Moolah's number one. And I think, you
0: know, one of of the things, too, sorry to cut you off your pause, with with Mae Young that we really uh, have to really just stand up and applaud her for, was the dedication to entertaining. She had realized where the business had gone, how how much it had changed, you know, since she had broken into it, and, and to sit there and just embrace, embrace the ideas of, you know, the the relationship angle with Mark Henry. Uh going out there and telling the Dudleys, don't hold back. You put me through that table like you would any of the boys. And what was she at that time? 80-something years old, right? <laughs> and she's saying bring it to me I and mean, she craved that stage that spotlight she she absolutely was consumed in the, absolutely loved professional wrestling and the evolution of sports entertainment and that's something you just ultimately have to admire
1: with uh, Johnny may young obviously like I was going to mention too the attitude Era her uh, stuff uh, giving birth to a hand she <laughs> she'll do anything I mean she she just did, didn't care she'll Go out there naked, if need be. It's like a joke. I mean, she just uh, did not yeah, care. I, for, I but, forgot
0: about the um, this <laughs> uh, titty shot we got that one. Yes, Good I mean, God. so
1: she just, just a
2: testament to her. She just doesn't care. She'll do whatever it takes. Um, she she was an addict. She was an addict for the spotlight. She loved it. Kind of in the same breath as we talk about Mula, as we talk about May Young. Pause. I'm surprised that you haven't brought up the female Hulk Hogan yet wendy richter where does she fall on your list she's on my
1: list yeah i had her pretty high because i thought that she was going to be the next moolah you know she was going to dethrone her and and basically become that for the wbf obviously there's some politics and some other things that were going around that kind of didn't really happen for her. and even some of the boys in the back that didn't like some of the reactions that she was getting and so, you know, so is the rumors say that they kind of try to hold her back or hold her down a little bit because like, hey, she can't be getting a better reaction than me or, hey, she's getting almost uh, as big as reaction. Some of the guys are like, oh, only Hogan's out popping her. You, know, you, you hear yep. stories like that about her. So she almost could have should have definitely been bigger than what she was. But I had a pretty high on my list just for the fact that she was almost there. She was at the precipice, you know, in WrestleMania won everything but it just didn't quite happen for the longevity portion for her.
2: She should have been the female Hulk Hogan, but instead what happened? The fabulous Moolah.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: I was like, she came from that camp and I'm really
0: trying to, you know, kind of remember back to, because it, you know, it seemed behind her. And I think that, you know, when we mentioned Mula and having the book and that, and that control freak and being able to manipulate the powers that be, you know, on that stage of WWF, You know they they did kind of make a commitment. They saw that reaction. They saw that there might be some value, some money in backing this division. Remember, because they went out and they built themselves a nice little roster that they were they were running out there regularly. Uh, Then it almost like boom just came to a standstill, and it was just okay. Now we're back to special attractions here. It makes a lot of sense, you know, is you look at that push, they're bringing in these kind of going the Hulk Hogan route where they're looking for these other just massive monsters that they can come in and line up against this baby. Oh, my God. how How is she going to overcome these immeasurable odds this time around? It was almost that same formula. I think Mullah saw that writing on that wall and said, well, I, I, I need to get back in this spot. Because of the money that was going to be had, even if it was, you know,
2: a quarter of what Hawkamania
0: was producing, you're talking about some serious cash flow.
2: And that single decision moved women's wrestling back in time about 20 years. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it completely, uh, you
0: began running on quicksand. Uh, it stalled everything and, and it sank. That That could have been really a great boom for women's wrestling and absolutely stalled
1: feel like she definitely could have been that next, you know, big breakout star the next Hogan. Like a, She uh, should have been the largest. female
2: equivalent of Hogan. That's what she should have been. What do you think about,
1: like, let's just say current day wrestling, because I think that's kind of where it emanated from as far as just wanting to do this list is it's a lot of the people saying Charlotte Flair. I mean, like you're saying, it, it held the business back for years. Now we're in present day. What about Charlotte Flair as the greatest women's wrestler? Because that's kind of where this emanated. Oddly enough, somebody said it online, an MVP. Shot it down in a blaze of glory. <laughs> Who works with her in the WWE? Shot her down in a blaze of glory. I know it's, I think, much too soon and much too young to say she's the greatest, but it's interesting. All these people online, because that's what they do, they say whatever's happening right now is the greatest. Um, you know, these are the same people that foolishly said, Oh, LeBron James, because he's one of the best players today. He's the greatest of all time. It's like, give me a break. Come on. Get, get get real, guys. He's not even the, the best player in the last 20 years. I mean, get serious, people. But uh, what do you think about Charlotte Flair? Too much? Too soon here? Why are people saying she's the greatest? And then, I, and Rick, uh, please. I know you're going to say she has but please.
2: Rick, let, I, I will say, let me say this before you okay. go off about your love for Charlotte Flair. Um, if this show was who has had the best push of all time, Charlotte Flair might be in that conversation. No, no, no we just talked about the greatest push of all time. Mola she gave it to himself. <laughs>
0: very true very true true okay you know when charlotte gets up there to a, a reign of 500 plus days okay then we'll start talking about maybe she's in that conversation there uh and this goes back to what i opened about how we're gonna have to look at these different eras what the agendas are how are they are being perceived and how they are being pushed what you had there were charlotte and charlotte is the is the best of her group uh, I'd say arguably at, at this very moment, arguably. I, don't, I don't know if she is the best in the world, but in the last within the last 10 years, I don't want to say 10, six years. I think she has really shown her, you know, really shown just how athletic, incredibly athletic she is. She's naturally gifted. I mean, she was born into this thing and and she's dedicated herself to it and she's done an amazing job where she is at right now. But that's also based around why we get those conversations. Is it Charlotte? Is it a, is it a Becky Lynch, a Sasha? All that kind of that group that came when we first got the evolution when they started pushing this idea on us. And inside of that, outside of a few flashes of the mentions of Mula and May Young, they led you to believe that all other professional wrestling for women was garbage. Uh, and then they had to start breaking down a little bit because. It just wasn't people were seeing through the PR agenda. So then they had to start recognizing some greats from the eras that they were kind of chastising. You know they, they realized, okay, you know, we've got to start you know rementioning Trish because these fans remember her, We've got to start talking about Leo. You know, we've got to start talking about Beth Phoenix. We've and, and from that whole group and even be, before that, there was an incredible lineup. Of women performers that I would put far beyond and before on this list than I would so many from this modern crop that we have today. Uh, You know, one that that I would say is is the best in the world that doesn't get a true opportunity to shine. And and as we're talking about a performer and now overall business, she's about ready to step up to the plate and I'm sure going to hit a home run. Extra excited coming up here, Mickey James, as she goes and she's going to take the production role here for the Empower. Uh, she's still going. She is, she's up there amongst one of the all-time greats. Uh, it, for today that are going, uh, Deeb, simply incredible. I, I think they're just, and, and I know there's a handful, uh, one that really jumps up Julia over in, in Japan that, that are absolutely killing it right now. Uh, but it, I think it's about how the fans have been spoon and fed that women's pro wrestling before this just can't hold a candle to what you're getting now, and that's just, it's not true.
1: Do you think, agree with the the Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, with all these people online saying that they're the best athletes in the women's division of all time? No, not like, do, do, do you even do you even agree with that? I guess not.
0: Not whatsoever. I in out of out of this, this this that crop there that you were mentioning. I'll really say okay. Anyone? How long Charlotte been around here? Uh, six, six seven years. years. Just, well, what are we at? WrestleMania 38, so she got throughout 32. So let's say five, six years. So anybody within this within this five years right now that we're talking about being at their very best of their game, Charlotte might be the one that could stand out going back to the late 90s, let alone getting into the feuds with Lita and, and Trish. Um, I mean, because you got so many damn good names back then, from, from Jacqueline to Luna. To Ivory, to Holly, uh, some of them that, that I've just I, that I can't, and that's just in ring performance. When we're talking about those eras, again, we got to take. I mean, we got to take the whole the whole kabang here, because a lot of times they didn't have a huge opportunity to go out there. You had to make the most of what you could inside of your of your belt of your ring time, but you had to be other things on screen. You had to be manager. You, you had to work interview. You had to be involved in skits. It's not about the move and professor, It's about the personas and characters, and that's where that's where they really make the difference here. This new group today, they just don't seem to get that. I'll, I'll set a Charlotte for those that, but she but she was around back then. Uh, she was there for you know the Straight Edge Society. Deeb, who reinvented herself and had to refine
2: herself. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the thing with Charlotte is she's a flair. And that helps an awful lot. Like I feel like Charlotte really benefits from that because Charlotte is going to go down in WWE history as the greatest of all time. Like they're going to make damn sure of that the way that she is booked. Right. Right. She wouldn't have that booking if she wasn't Ric Flair's daughter. Like I, I think she would still be there. I think Charlotte's that talented, but the push and the way that she is presented has a lot to do with being Ric Flair's daughter. Like, well, I, I think Charlotte's really, really good, but I don't think she's that great. Well, you know, even outside of that, if she wasn't Flair's daughter, I don't
0: think she would be there because she never would have pursued professional wrestling. It wasn't well, right. until Reeves passing, you know, that, you know, to go follow that dream. She might have found her way there eventually, you know, realizing, hey, I, I don't know. I know she was good, uh, but how far do you make it in volleyball? So there might not have been other things there. And then her dad's still involved. She's around it. She's, she's talking to people, you know, would have been pulled into this thing, but
2: who knows? You you brought up this crop. And I I think like Bailey, Sasha, Becky, Charlotte, they all four have to like, and they all make the list. Right. And if you take the four horsewomen together, as like a conglomerate, they might actually be pretty high as far as influence goes between the four of them. But of the four of them, I rank Becky as the highest. I mean, it, Becky did something that Charlotte's never done, and that's get herself over. I would argue that, no, that, that it
0: helps here because getting yourself over in that sense is because they were looking for somebody other than Charlotte. And, and, and Becky got over in a half ass attempt. They could have slapped kind of that stone cold, half ass act on anybody, and that was going
2: to work there. But they put it on Becky, and it worked. And of, of like, when we talk about like this era of women's wrestling, Becky Lynch and that run as the man, has there been a female that got hotter in the business that you remember? Hotter in the business.
0: Where was the crossover appeal? I mean, it, it, that's what I, I, I say. It. it was such a piss poor, stone cold act. Did it? Did it shatter boundaries? Were there new fans fly? You know, you were talking last week when we were talking promos, pulling people into the arena, talking people to the box office.
2: Yeah, but we're talking about an era where nobody does that.
0: I know, so she, if she's so what elite, about... then shouldn't she rise above that? I, I just, I, I, think that she is, inc- and I think she did a terrible, and it could be on creative as well because they didn't really give her a whole lot to work with. Uh, but I just, I just think the whole man thing is so ver- so overly exaggerated, because the rest of the product was so bad. It, it's another case of where because it's so bad that mediocre is accepted as excellence.
1: What about Sasha Banks being on Star Wars?
0: Well, that's another creative and marketing just totally dropping the ball that they refused to play to that. You have an opportunity. And here's another thing. When you talk about somebody who can get themselves over that has some kind of a appeal and connection with fans, I don't absolutely understand it. But Sasha Banks from the get-go, people love her. And, I don't get it at all. I mean, she's best when she's ratchet Sasha. I mean, I think, jogger you're the one that dubbed her that there. Yep. She just comes off to me as like this unlikable total just – bitch of a person i'm sorry there's nothing likable
2: about sasha banks when she's a heel
0: to us but people when she's playing that heel but people absolutely love her Uh, i think if she had a little bit more mentorship stronger coaching uh with ring style and how to craft her persona to me that's the one that could have been an incredible breakout star uh, of the four
2: well and then there's Mm -hmm. bailey like, is there a bigger ball drop in the history of professional wrestling than Bailey was? I mean, like that—that that was the female John Cena ready to go, and then she got to the main roster, and Vince McMahon got a hold of her, and it was over in about a week.
0: Yeah, you know, I like how you what you said. You know, going back to just a second there, Jogger, you, you said individually, we can't really put them up there at the top. Of these greatest female performers in history, but that as a coll- but that is a collective, they truly embodied what that current evolution, that movement represented. What they wanted to gain out of that, if they really just would have understood, we need to take these four and, and hitch the wagon to these horses, these horsewomen, and, and ride it all the way through to you know to the new promised land. Absolutely, they would have had something incredible. Unfortunately, what happened with the evolution and all this is it, it turned out to be more about lady balls and the brand. Unless your name's McMahon, you'll never rise above the brand, uh, and it really ended up being more detrimental, I believe, to and, and going out there and continuing and, and instead of letting them pave a path. Of their own it was okay you repeatedly have to go out there and go as fast as you can to prove that you can do everything that the guys can do
1: now kind of moving on here let's talk about some of the Japanese greats uh, Bol Nakano who was on my list Aja Kong was on my list also uh Mayanmi Toyota who a lot of people were saying were the greatest MVP who kind of started this argument to begin with he said that Toyota was the greatest what do you think Jargo
2: I said on Twitter when we we kind of put out that this was going to be the topic for this week. There is one answer, and the correct answer is Monami Toyota. Um, if you go back and watch what she was doing in the late '80s, in the early '90s, all throughout the '90s, she is the Ric Flair of professional wrestling, where she just feels so far ahead of everything else that is going on. You could if you could drop a. Uh, in her prime, Monami Toyota, right now on the main roster, she would still be the best professional wrestler on that roster. She just, she was absolutely incredible. Debuted in 1987 at the age of 16, retired in 2017. So you had a 30 year run for Monami Toyota where she was working on top. First championship in 89. Tag League winner five times with five different partners. She won the All-Japan version of the G1 four different times. She was in the era of All-Japan women. She was the standard when All-Japan women were basically the only professional wrestling that was performing well inside of Japan. Everybody knows Monami Toyota is the greatest of all time it's just like it like it is just understood. Now hold on there hold you you
0: mentioned something tag league 5 times with 5 different partners. That that just says that she was so disliked she couldn't even find anyone that wanted to team up with her more than than once. They were
2: You know dumb. what? I'm happy that you bring that up because let's talk about that with Charlotte and Rick for a second, right? Like they're always talking about like oh she's an 11-time champion. That means that you've lost the title 10 times. Like how good are you? Good god.
0: Hey, anyone can get gotten, but can you get it back? Now, Jargo, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe in one of the things I had to go do research here on a number of these names, well, you know, because I know when we're talking about all time women, because it is, it's much more prominent. So different when we go to the East for professional wrestling. You're more invested over there. You're more involved. You're hip to the scene. Can you tell us a little bit about, is you, you know, she broke, toilet broke in in the 80s. Can you talk about the different. Decades and eras, and the importance and styles of women's wrestling, as opposed to probably what
2: 90% of the people listening to us are actually educated on. I mean, if you go back and you look at all Japan pro wrestling, which was the top promotion throughout a good chunk of the nineties, it was because of their Joshi. It was because of the women. It was because of women like Aja Kong and Monami Toyota. They were the ones that were actually drawing people into the buildings. People were paying to go see the women and the men were the supporting act throughout a good decade there inside of all Japan. Where it wasn't about the sex of the performer. It was just about the quality of work that was being put out. They should that that joshi scene, those women that like group collective, just absolutely reinvented. It was like the cruiserweight division in WCW. They just started it kind of at the bottom of the card and just worked their way up. It was an absolutely incredible organic thing to where you would have people like Monami Toyota in the main event because she was the best wrestler in the world for about a decade.
0: It's hard to argue with, with the economy. But do a lot of people there, know who she is? That I was going to say. That's one of the big draw. You it. know, drawbacks on this thing is is this one of those if if a tree falls in the woods in eighty five
2: percent of the world, you know, wrestling fans have never heard or seen anything. See, and, and I think that's one of those kind of situations where. Y- when you look at a list like this and, and as you kind of bring up, you know, there's this whole list of Japanese women from about, you know, 1985 to about 2000, 2001, that just completely reinvented what Japanese pro wrestling and what the standard kind of was very much like what the junior heavyweights were doing in the 1994 super J cup, right. Where they were just lighting the world on fire and i i don't think people pay attention to it because of the language barrier but when you start talking to people and you, you're really getting into you're talking to people inside of the business monami toyota is the name that always comes up and that she's the name that mvp re- simply replied to you you spelled monami toyota wrong like she the people inside of the business Everybody recognizes Monami Toyota was just light years beyond everybody else.
0: Now, now with Toyota, we're talking performer, and you know what I mean. I'm going to go to every which angle I can and break down. You know, where are your, where are your skills rank at here? How and is your and you're t- saying? You know, she is the standout, the the Ric Flair over there. She are-
2: was the person putting asses in seats for a decade. That nah, like okay so like <laughs> that, that that was that you so, talk about no, drawing money and I, and, I know, was and I
0: know it's a lot different in the strategies that they employ over there and just really the perception of, of from entertainment to to actual sport. Um uh, How was she with with like the fans? Like her interaction when she had to do press. Or, you know, if she was away from the arena and at, at a festival, at a parade, or whatever the big occasion might be, because they celebrate things so differently over
2: there. Uh, how was that connection? I mean, it, it's interesting because Toyota, you know, this very much so, like the, the heel and baby face thing in Japan. Is kind of a a different concept because it is a much more sports like presentation, right? So the thing with Toyota was you would get invested in her when she was on the chase. And then when she would win the championship, it was a matter of who is going to be able to defeat her. Right, So she could play either way and then the crowd would feel either way because you want to see somebody defeat the champion in Japanese pro wrestling. That's the way it works. People enjoy the chase and the rain is more about who's going to beat them because they're always pulling for that underdog challenger. Toyota could play the best of both worlds and when she would get on top, everybody knew that she was on top for a reason because she was just that much better.
0: What about medusa where does she well, rank I had i just had her i flipped to her stuff i knew i knew you were getting to her uh i you know medusa incredible talent uh a, a thrill seeker in every sense and i think she just got that high that adrenaline rush off of the audience is going out there and perform i think you know when it came to those outside tangibles of you know outside of the bell to bell Good, she can handle herself. Uh, I think she had good personality. I think she understood, you know, how to represent what Medusa Medusa stood for. Uh, even you know when she had to go with that, what, what was she under blaze at one yeah. point? Uh, I think she did a tremendous job, but I think what really hurts her is that, as we had mentioned earlier, where maybe you had in Western wrestling, essentially the women's business was killed, put to a standstill there. Uh, by the greediness of Mula, it was what those shambles were kind of left to be carried by medusa and there just wasn't a whole lot there
2: yeah there, there wasn't a whole lot of talent for alundra blaze to work with for medusa to work with but when you talk about her significance in pro wrestling history her showing up in wcw and throwing the belt in the trash might be like one of the top five wrestling moments of all time, right? Like just the influence. And then, like, I always enjoyed her more when she was working down south because it was, she got to be herself. You know what I mean? Like, she wasn't bowing to Vince and Vince's BS, even inside of the WWE. Like, she was the only one that really felt legit in an era where the women just were not taken seriously on the WWF roster. And the only thing I, that I would
0: kind of counter counter the women's title in the trash can, the significance behind that moment sure, it was, oh my God, you know, that's a WWE championship. It, 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 that was more about the power struggle and the play and the promotions than anything about women's wrestling. I mean, essentially, what it, uh, you talk about another moment where you just pretty much kill women's wrestling it's set them back stopped at, that, decade. at that point right there yeah you no know, if she would have you know shown up and and then maybe she throws that in the trash and then reveals a new brand new world championship wrestling women's you know title and says you know what we're here they didn't care about this we were a joke sideshow over here i'm here they say where this is where the big boys play well, Mama's got a table now, and we're going to see who's going to step up to it. That would have been an opportunity there. That would have been something truly tremendous as we're sitting here talking about the history of women's wrestling. Uh, but that was just more for shock value. What about Sherry Martell? Where does she rank? I'll come in hot on this one. And this is where you know I kept asking, are we talking about wrestlers or are we talking about performers? And Sherry was one of those that is in the same era as Medusa. Uh, she has, is trained by Mula, but they have a falling out because they, they have a difference. It really, because Sherry didn't want to go by Mula's rules. She didn't want to play that game. And Sherry she embraced, you know, then the, the party side of professional wrestling. She liked to go out and enjoy herself and, par- and partake in, in the, the party favors, if you will. Uh, but w- to me, I, Sherry's right up there near the absolute. Damn, top of this list, and we're looking at all of the tangibles and what she could bring to the ring. She was extremely marketable, uh, I mean, beyond beautiful in the time. Uh, she had the gift of gab, the persona was absolutely incredible. She could go 100% with any woman in the world, she could get in there with a man, bell to bell, go toe to toe. We're talking about one of those, when we talk about tremendous great managers of all time, I believe she's overlooked because she was a female. But what she did was absolutely magnificent. Anyone's corner that she was in, she absolutely elevated. And she did so because she was almost, she was an extension of whoever she was representing. And you go back, and it's hard to believe, like, how the hell could you elevate the macho man at that point? She absolutely did. You you go back and you watch some of those matches, especially uh, with him and where we have done a watch along with that, and it 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 was insane. I mean, she is an extension of everything that Macho is doing. She's part of the movie. She's like another limb, and it, it, her her body language, her emotions, simple her, her placement, her presence with the camera. It just it adds one thousand percent to everything that's going on into that moment. Across the board, she she did that for everyone. It'd be it'd be Harlem Heat. It'd be Deviassi, Shawn Michaels. She was simply incredible. Uh, absolutely one of the best
2: performers. Period in the history of professional wrestling. I don't think it can be understated how important she was to those early days of Shawn Michaels either. Like she was absolutely vital in getting Shawn Michaels over as a main event performer. Yeah. What what about
1: some kind of current day, but not, not so current day, not active right now, but what about Lita and Trish Stratus? What do they rank on your list?
2: I think in an era that was defined by the bra and panties match, Lita and Trish kind of inspired that entire next generation of what we see now, that women's wrestling could be bigger, it could be better that they could actually go out there, they could main event Monday Night Raw, that they could go out there and wrestle just as good as the guys do in an era where that was just not the case in any way, shape, or form. And it was Trish and Lita that absolutely established that and the fans went along with it because they had everything. They were the complete package. And especially together, the two of them, whether it be as partners or against one another – they just had that chemistry that the fans got behind it until it actually got pushed as a real program on WWF TV. I th- I don't think that their influence can be understated at all. Yeah,
0: I, I think, you know, just especially in professional wrestling, but life in general and traveling two different paths, Lita and Trish and how they came up together, mirrored each other are tremendous inspirations for, for young women of, of, of all generations, uh, you know you have Lita, who who really had this drive to get into professional wrestling. But there there wasn't a, an easy path at this time. We're talking about the stalls, the stops, the major companies, really just wrestling as a whole not wanting to give it a major opportunity to give those divisions a big investment, the chance you're more of that sideshow. So she hits the indie Secret. She she's out there making the town. She is clawing her way up to the top, and whatever she has to, and, and she gets that opportunity. And she knows, you know, give me the ball, run with it. I'm going to work my ass off to become someone up that everyone in this business looks towards as a great performer. Trisha, on the other hand, was one of those first uh, model magazine picks up, correct? I mean, she came in, remember how just God awful. Uh, but you have to admire the passion and the drive. And then she eventually says, you know what? It's in her own personality. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to be called, I'm, I'm going to work my, Damn, ass off to become good, and then she exceeded that, uh, probably beyond everyone's wildest, you know, imagination of what the hell she was going to be able to achieve. I and I think both of them are just inspirational stories, and they stood out amongst their pack. and And right around them, if it be those that shared the ring or kind of came before, just before them, again, there was some some tough, tough women that got the business that could work the angles that could do it all.
2: What about China? China's kind of an interesting one, right? I mean, because when, when we talk about people like Becky Lynch, like we talk about Becky Lynch got herself over. Was there ever a woman that was more over than China? I mean, like as part of DX with the number of eyeballs that were watching Monday night, raw the feud with Jericho, the intercontinental title, it's just the way that China was pushed during the Attitude Era—how she was such a featured attraction on the show. Was there ever anybody more over than China?
1: Possibly not. Yeah, uh,
0: I I would agree with that, but I, you know, also I have a lot of questions. Sable maybe?
2: maybe Sable was more over. Oh yeah, Sable—that's a good one.
0: Well, I mean, that could be argued Sable- too. Uh, Sable, Sunny, and they're all for different reasons. Uh, as we're talking about, just over uh, China's an, an interesting conversation for me. She was over; that's undeniable. Uh, and you know, just recently, she you know her her story comes to the surface again as we get the kind of disturbing, not just kind of very disturbing <laughs> documentary. Right. You know, rough at times. It kind of to sit through and you just look at somebody that, that comes into a a very vicious industry of professional wrestling that already has issues uh, already dealing majorly with the self-confidence, the body issues. And you look real early into that and you kind of wonder, and and I know that, that Vince Russo booked her to the, you know, he saw tremendous things in her value, loved her as a person. Uh, But beyond that, you know, other people at the influence, a lot of the stuff, was she used in a ribbing sense? I mean, even as the bodyguard, Shawn Michaels and Triple H, you need a female bodyguard. No matter how she looks, you know, is that part of the, the DX stick? You know, it's, you're supposed to kind of laugh at that in a sense. Well, I mean,
2: I think that's how it started. But then the fans took interest in the character and forced the company to make her something more than that. You know what I mean, like. Well, it, it, I think you know maybe in a sense where there was there were aspects of
0: it where they thought it was a rib and you know they're popping themselves, uh, but really you have the the evolution of the smirk at this point. Mm-hmm. So people are starting to see through things like that, and if you kind of sense that maybe it, it, a lot of people probably saw a, a lot of themselves in China, where you know they look a little different than the norm. They don't, she doesn't look like the other females there. She, right. she handles herself a little different. And not even, you know, if you feel that way as an individual, we'll talk about an era of wrestling where people were really latching on to these different personas and, and really living vicariously through them. And she represented that for a lot of people. Maybe you don't look like the norm, you feel a little different at times, you're not the standard. So people would rally behind things like that. And I think that's where they really believed in China. Now, you know, they hear some of the things that, you know, that, that she wanted to pay, you know, on the same level of stone cold. I mean, it just seems that the business just began to, to eat her alive. Uh, I've heard multiple, multiple insiders talking about this. She looks so much better with the guys. Because she she had to wrestle them because the guys could move her, they could carry her. They were you know they were the right dance partners, where the fe- other females at that time they couldn't. So it made her matches look really awkward, and, and so they had to make that transition. So at that point you got to start you know moving up that card. Uh, I, I think she, I, amongst the best, I don't have her near the top.
1: I just also had like Awesome Kong, Luna Vashon, Gail Kim, of course, Leilani Kai I had on my list, Akira Hokuto I had on my list. I uh, even threw out there just for the potential. Obviously, she wasn't, but could have been Ronda Rousey. I just threw her on there for potential. Natalia Knightheart But uh, is there anybody that we kind of omitted Booker, or Booker, missed?
0: Booker T just, uh, you know, is kind of what. Prompted this conversation with us is some people speaking out. Booker T said, Natalia, the greatest WWE female wrestler of all time. Uh, one of the things that jumped out there, too, that she said there, pause, is we're talking about China knowing how to work those styles, being able to work with the other females. Man, Awesome Kong. She could do that. Yep. Uh, you know, with that perception of that, that difference and that power, she could go out there and and, and let's do another great mention here. Who I think across the board incredible, uh, one of Kong's best dance
2: partners, Gail Kim. Yep, anybody at, at number four on my list. And you brought up Kong. You brought up Gail Kim. I'm also going to include the beautiful people. I'm also going to include Madison Rain. Like that entire 2005 to 2010 ish Impact Knockouts division. In an era where the WWE was all about the fashion models and it was all about the gimmick matches before the women's evolution, revolution, whatever you want to call it, that impact knockouts division. Was some of the best wrestling on the planet, male or female. And I think that in, a, anybody that was in that division at that time deserves a shout out on this list. So I put the entire Impact Knockouts division cool. at number four on my I'll, list. I'll,
0: I'll ask, you, I'll, I want to turn and ask you guys this, pause. I'll kick it over to you. Uh, was that division the best women's division in professional wrestling history?
2: I, I would say in the United States in North okay. America yeah. for, for what we yeah for most of what the, our listeners what we're talking about. yeah for about what here.
1: I'm familiar with probably yeah yeah, yeah. no doubt about and, it
0: and a lot of that goes to your boy Dutch right I mean he was his the idea mastermind yep. there that, that yep. he understood there's there's something unique here now is he does he ever talk to you the because you know over on realm now in association with Hamin Media uh, Brand Management uh, the beautiful people you know they credit so much. Of where they're at with Russo, has Dutch ever talked to you about the interaction with with Russo in when it came to to working with the women's divisions?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Once they started rolling, Russo was on board. Is basically what he said. Like it wasn't his idea, but once he got to work with them, he loved working with them. He worked, he excelled with them. He did great with them. But it wasn't his idea. It was like Dutch's idea, and he kind of latched onto it. Basically, so how, Dutch, how was Dutch it?
0: Says. How was it when Dutch goes and sells this? Because you know we're talking about a time where. I mean they made a serious they made more of a serious push than any major company in the west that we'd seen at that point. It was
1: basically like prove us right or prove us wrong. Yeah, you know, but let us see what you got that. Let's see that your your great idea. I, I could here. see
0: that for TNA at the time. They're like, "All right, we need something. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, just All try." Right. Yeah. Hey, man, we're we're going to we're going to we're going to lobby you. We're going to lobby a couple pitches. If you can hit a few out of the park here, <laughs> you're good to go with it.
2: And, and and the two biggest hits that Impact had at that time, at least for me, were the X division featuring a bunch of wild and crazy kids on the come up. Like, you know, that crazy kid, AJ styles and the impact knockouts division. I mean, that knockouts division was just absolutely fantastic at that time. Um, A couple other names that I wanted to throw out. Number one is page. If page hadn't gotten injured, I think that she may end up have ended up, you know, top 10 on this list because I think that she was that good. And Rick, you and I have had this conversation, and we might actually get heat for this conversation, but the Bella twins belong on this list as well. Because what the Bellas did for women's wrestling in the past 25 years. Whether you love them or whether you hate them, women's wrestling wouldn't be where it is right now without the Bella Twins.
0: Yeah, we're, and we're talking about performers, and it, that goes into at so many avenues, so many different aspects, and it's a harsh pill for so many fans to swallow. Right now, the Bella Twins are more over than ninety five, and that might be generous towards the active roster, for towards the WWE roster. They're they had the more notoriety, they have crossover regularly talking about get outside of the bubble. This business needs to grow an audience and like it or not, they do that.
1: For sure. So as we wrap it up here, Who is Chargo? Who is the greatest women's wrestler? I think I know where you're leaning, but who's the greatest women's wrestler of all time?
2: Monami Toyota, hands down. And if I had to pick a number two, it would be Mildred Burke. If I had to pick a number three, as far as like people that our listeners would be like, okay, yeah, I, I know who that person is. I've seen that person's matches. Number three, I would put Gail Kim.
1: Rick, who you got?
0: You know, I, I got this down to, to two right now. Uh, before I jump in, I want to give some shout-out to some up-and-comers. Uh, there, there are some tremendous, uh, incredible watches to get involved with in women's wrestling out there. Uh, one, uh, a, f- a friend of ours, family, if you will. Uh, hopefully hopefully you've seen her. She's, she's picking up steam like crazy right now in the NWA's Genocide. Uh, power, character, beauty. You, she's total package. She's got it going on there. Uh, you might have caught her on dark. She is, she's hungry for this thing. She she is a tremendous athlete. She's finding her persona right now, working through some character stuff uh, based here out of Cincinnati. Uh, star student, fiance uh, of Cody Hawk. Uh, talk about Shauna Reed. Keep her out for her. Incredible. Her sister, uh, who is my go-to female for the PWA, Haley Shadows. I continue going here. Ari Alexander. My favorite, my favorite person to ring announce for, Ari Alexander. I, I love ripping off those, those double ways, but she's down at OVW doing great things there. Keep your eyes on, on all of those talents there. Uh, but for me, this comes down to two. My runner-up is going to be for best female performer in pro wrestling history. My runner-up is going to be Gail Kim, uh, but I, I'm going to stick with this thing. I'm going Sherry Martel
1: interesting okay uh as far as me i don't know i, I really had a tough time because toyota's such a good wrestler but for whatever reason i i just kept coming back to fabulous Moolah. i don't know why i guess that's the perception i guess i was you know thinking that but i kept coming back to Moolah. i don't know why I, and i guess that's just the way that they beat it into my head for all those years that she was the greatest but for yep. some reason to me i gotta go Moolah. um just just was the first name i thought of and and that's I don't know, just I guess that was beaten into my head. It was the first name I wrote down. And before I even started writing down other names, I'm like, damn, Moolah, I guess, is probably
0: the greatest and the most famous. It, it, you surprised me here, man. We're up against the clock. And I thought you were going to pull it out last minute. I thought you were going to say Brooke Hogan. Oh.
1: <laughs> so let's head to the plugs on that note. Great, great one, Rick. Um, You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TwoManPowerTrip. Check out the website, TMPTEmpire.com. Of course, Patreon. Patreon.com slash TMPTEmpire. Jargo, what do you got?
2: You can keep up with me across social media platforms at NotJargo, and if you want to watch some amazing women's wrestling, head over to stardom-world.com as Stardom prepares for their version of the G1 Climax, the five-star Grand Prix. It will showcase the finest in all of women's wrestling going down. It starts this Saturday, Round Robin-style tournament. Um, And then you can listen to Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast, where I'll be covering the Stardom five-star Grand Prix As we march toward uh, another Dome show, Huckleberry just dropped out. He was like, oh, yeah, screw it. I don't even want to talk to these guys anymore. As we march towards another Dome show and, of course, the G1 Climax.
1: Nice. Good stuff. And, of course, RBV. You could follow him at the real R P V on Twitter and Instagram. Oh no, he's back! Okay, I was gonna say I was just doing your plugs for you. All right, what do you got for plugs? Yeah, RBV? Look,
0: I, I try to go get the exact date. Is it, Jargos putting over women's events? Want to check things out. I wanted to make sure I got the exact date. So I think it is the twenty eighth. Folks, you can probably correct me on that for NWA Empower, uh, which is going to be their women's pay per view. Uh, so you're gonna check that out. All those tremendous names, the great crop. You're gonna have genocide there. Mickey James running the show. Thunder Rosa, the Vorts the, the intro, so Diana Perazzo from from Impact, gonna be there. They've got names across the board here. That's gonna be there. So that's coming up. In NWA, In Hey, but for us, you know, got all the HMG stuff over on the Patreon. Everything going on at Realm. Keep up with me personally across all social media at the real RBV
1: great stuff as always boys thank you so much for joining us and thank you everybody for tuning in we'll see you right back here next week for who is this has been a john pause power trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling you could follow us on instagram and twitter at two-man power trip you could check us out on facebook you could subscribe on youtube